Welcome back to another episode of Between the Turnbuckles. Um, on this week's show, we'll be doing just the usual rumours to start, heading into last week's Smackdown and then last night's Raw. So I'm not going to waste too much time because I've got loads to talk about, uh, starting with the rumours for this week. So I've got quite a lot of rumours to go through, so I won't waste too much time talking too much about it. Um, the first thing that came out in the past seven days has been the pay for the top 10 highest paid WWE stars and some of the figures are pretty shocking in comparison to those that have recently been released so I've got the 10 here so number 10 quite surprisingly is Braun Strowman who for this year will be making 1.9 million dollars number 9 will be Stephanie who's making 2 million dollars Shane just getting the better over there must be a bit of a kick in the face eh, on 2.1 million dollars number 7 unsurprisingly Goldberg in this list 3 million dollars Quite a shock on this one, Becky, $3.1 million. Now that's not a shock as if to say Becky shouldn't be making that kind of money. I think anyone who's making that kind of money is a bit ridiculous, but um, I, I didn't think Becky would be in the top 10. I knew she would be making some big bucks by now. Uh, I thought Charlotte would be in the list, but for some reason Charlotte's actually not in this list. Number 5 is Triple H on $3.3 million. Number 4, Seth, $4 million. 3, Randall, Randall, Keith, Orton on 4.1 million dollars number two obviously roman reigns five million dollars and roman can't even touch number one which is obviously brock lesnar who currently makes 10 million dollars now you look at all that there i think if you add that all up it's probably about 25 30 million dollars there and we're releasing stars who barely even make half a million dollars to try and save money so they're trying to, I think they saved, and I think WWE with all those releases saved about $4 million, but you've got guys like literally Goldberg who gets $3 million. Why not just release him? It's not as if he's really any good, to be honest. It's going to be quite controversial. Goldberg is good for the odd squash match, but having him around too much is boring. So for those who don't know, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson retired back in August 2019. He officially, I would say he officially announced, but I didn't really find out about it until too long ago. Um, the Rock officially retired from in-ring competition back in August 2019 just before Smackdown's debut on Fox when he made his appearance. He has in the past week had an interview and said he is open to a return but only to do if he was going to do matches. It'd be three matches or one of the three matches. I don't think the list is particularly surprising so one of them is Brock Lesnar, and I think everyone's been waiting, watching, wanting that rematch since 2002 when they first did it. It was almost, I think it almost happened supposedly for WrestleMania 32, but rather than Dean Ambrose, but um, The Rock had to pull out due to filming. Second one's Triple H. I don't think anyone would deny Triple H versus The Rock one last go. They could both certainly go and do it and put on a good one. What was really the favourite heading into this year's WrestleMania or last well WrestleMania 35? This was one of the favourites as well before Roman had to relinquish the title due to health, and then even this year, this was one of the favourite matches before he then had to uh, pull out again. This year would be The Rock versus Roman, whether it's for the title or not, who knows? But The Rock versus Roman Reigns. I don't think I'd be opposed to this match either. You've got two guys who, I'm going to openly say it, like to shovel a bit of talent. Um, the Rock's quite good at coming back, and, and I'm not dissing The Rock because he's really entertaining and enjoyable to watch, but it would be interesting to see if The Rock actually put someone over that's not already established, like John Cena. Um, upcoming news from this past week was that one of the NXT releases, Diona Pizarro, was already actually not happy with WWE for months and had requested a push many, many times. I did some interviews and when she got the release, they gave her the call and they said, we think you're going to be happy about this. She said she was 100% happy. Um, in another interview, she said she wants to kind of go off and do stuff to kind of say, screw WWE, like look at me now. She really wants to work with AEW. She's supposedly best friends with Britt Baker, but I actually think Britt Baker won't be AEW for very long. I can see Britt Baker moving to WWE very soon. And she wants to go to Impact Wrestling and work with Blanchard and Kylie Ray. Um, so there's definitely loads of options for her. I don't think it'll take too long for it to get snapped up by one of these two, but I think she's definitely going to be heading to AEW. 
Dave Meltzer commented this week on Drake Maverick's release. Um, it's one of three things that's kind of happening right now. I kind of spoke about this with uh, last week's NXT. Um, Drake Maverick, it seems like they're, they're going to use this release as part of the storyline. So one of the things is that this could be a, a kayfabe release. For those who don't know what kayfabe means, it means part of the story to help them build, which if it is, it's pretty dark to do that considering a lot of people did get released. So to do a fake one would be pretty bad. I think a lot of people would have a problem with it. I know I would. Uh, I think that's the least likely of the three. Um, the other idea is that they may have changed their mind and they're going to build him as some sort of underdog. So he was always going to put Jake Atlas over last week. I think he's still got two matches left and the possibility of him winning the two matches and maybe progressing and maybe potentially winning the Cruiserweight Championship could be one of those kind of underdog moments. I think it would really put him in quite a high limelight and it would really I, I actually think I kind of hope this is the more likely of the three that maybe Drake Maverick is going to get that kind of Daniel Bryan Rey Mysterio kind of underdog going for the title and maybe his career is literally on the line and he maybe comes away with the belt other ones obviously just to say that this will be his final three matches everything's totally real and three matches from now or well now two left to go he'll probably maybe lose both of them or win one and from there that'll be um well, that'll be the last we see of him now for anyone who doesn't know i'm not i'm not too sure if a lot of people will be quite saddened by this to be honest uh, wwe 2k21 has officially been cancelled they're not doing the 2k21 this year uh, based on the current world situation with coronavirus but then also probably due to the fact that they won't just admit it and say that last game last year's game was utter shit it was not a very good game i think i, I liked the the career mode but it was mostly known for its glitches i liked the the idea of the showcase for the four horsewomen but i feel like it was it was different like right they sat on it for months and months and months and they went oh god we need to release this in three weeks let's put it together um, which is probably not the case but it, it did flop it was probably deemed one of the worst games of all time supposedly in its stead they're going to either do like a like a championship manager game so maybe you get to book your own show but it's not like a raw or smackdown you get to make your own like um promotion and run it and stuff like that which i'd be actually quite interested in um stuff like that that'd be quite cool or there's like a if anyone's seen the advert for like a rocket league they did have a version of this out years ago with the wwe it would just be kind of awful if that was the case we have actually since found out that the game is going to be called wwe 2k battlegrounds and if anyone's not seen the trailer for this game um if anyone remembers the old wwe all-stars game like how it was all over the top the guys were massive like mad as if they'd been like on roids since they were like a baby they're all massive and the the teaser trailer is actually the rock throwing john cena into an alligator's mouth um so it, it's well, they've definitely they're going for a more over the top um, gameplay. So like Becky Lynch is used to be called Straight Fire, so she can now put her arms on fire, and it, it actually does look kind of good to be honest. Um, I, I'm quite interested. I'll probably, I mean, I'll buy it. Let's be honest, I'll buy it to to see how it gets. Um, two superstars. I say two superstars. Three superstars have actually been linked to make a move to um, AAA wrestling down in Mexico once they are ninety day no clause. Um, no compete clauses up um, that's actually going to be the colognes which i'm not too surprised about because they are going to go somewhere it's not as if they've not got talent they've just never been able to be that the team and leo rush which i think will do i actually kind of think i thought leo rush i still think leo rush might go to aew because i think he could have some good matches with guys like darby allen and uh, sammy Guevara. but if he goes to triple r he's gonna get some good matches with like the old the two old sin caras because they're, they're both down there uh, Triple H commented uh, last week saying that he would quite like to see um, WrestleMania from now on going over two days. At the moment, it's not a thing that they're looking to go ahead with. There's no plans yet, but it, it could be more likely because, um, as I've said many times, WrestleMania, especially in the UK, is pretty difficult to watch because it's always starting at 10 p.m. and finishing five, six o'clock. It's uh, as a it's a proper like night shift. You really need to have the next day off. AEW's TV tapings have been filmed up until mid-May, but they're actually from that point onwards they're going to be going back to live. 
uh, to kind of but then again same with WWE's uh, plan to tape again it could change at any moment depending on how Tony Khan feels about it or how uh, the competitors feel about it they might make a more uh, business decision on that I think this is one of the worst things I've read in this past week this next rumour so Vince McMahon says that the re- recent raw ratings drop is not due to coronavirus in any way it's due to Brock Lesnar not being the WWE champion now I have to ask the question when does Brock Lesnar ever stick around after Wrestlemania Brock Lesnar does his Wrestlemania match maybe does the raw after mania every now and then and then he slings his hook and goes to back to Canada back to his home back to his farm and then we don't see him we'll maybe see him at the Saudi show in between then the occasional pay-per-view month I know last year he appeared and then he did Money in the Bank which was the next pay-per-view I say he did Money in the Bank he came out at the end and pushed Ali off a ladder and then climbed the ladder and then they went to Arabia which he didn't have a match at he was just there so it's like that kind of feeling he only does the big shows that he's going to get the big paychecks for and then it's SummerSlam it's the big main four really big main four with the the Saudi shows and the occasional pay-per-view in between but Vince to go out and say that basically saying because Drew McIntyre is the champion means that the, the ratings have dropped is absolute garbage it's trash the ratings have dropped because they're it's not even due to coronavirus the ratings have dropped because it, it probably is linked in there some way because they don't have the ability to put on good shows their shows are not very good I think past two weeks Raw's have actually been really good and uh, when I move on to this week's Raw it, it totally flips on its head it is a really bad week for Monday Night Raw it was really really bad but the ratings is not down to Brock Lesnar being champion there's nothing good about a champion who's not there to boost your ratings nothing says boost your ratings like your champion that's not there and for one I'm very happy to see titles on main shows again uh, Cody officially filed for the Rhodes name just the Cody Rhodes name after the contract with Rhodes like WWE's contract to have it trademarked um, up until April 13th of this year Cody Rhodes applied for it and Cody will now be known as Cody Rhodes once again he's officially got his name back to be honest I think when he left I think the way he left was very gracious he went away and did some good things when he won the ring I mean WWE were very supportive when he won the ring of honor championship Cody said it himself one of the first people to text him other than his family was Triple H to say congratulations champ so Triple H was watching or he was paying attention I don't get why they wouldn't have just gave him his name back it seems a bit stingy they've got the trademark permanently on the, the Dusty Rhodes name why keep Cody Rhodes just give him his name Goldust got lucky when he left and it was Goldust they had and not Dustin Rhodes uh, supposedly so there was a, a change so everyone has been kind of buzzing for weeks and weeks about Killer Cross's debut on NXT but his name has now changed to Carrying Cross that supposedly is Cross's own decision to do that uh, for some reason didn't really say too much why all it said was that he wanted to change it um, for some reason and if, if that's the case then that's fine but you, you, we all know that the WWE do have a, a reputation for changing people's names MGF is set to return at the next TV taping so the ones that they've already done up until mid-May is not going to be a part of and then he'll then be a part of the next one supposedly he's already isolating ahead of this time to get himself ready Bray Wyatt's supposedly rumoured to win the Universal title at either Money in the Bank or the pay-per-view after depending on what that is they've not really announced what the pay-per-views next are because they, they can't sell any tickets but I have to really talk about this one because if I don't get it off my chest it's gonna give me a headache if Bray Wyatt wins the Universal Championship I'm gonna be quite cross because they're, they're putting themselves in a position once again where it's what happened I mean they're gonna give the belt to Bray and then whenever Roman returns it'll go to Roman why why do that speaking of Roman to be fair if anyone doesn't know Roman's actually now expecting his second set of twins so he's not done isolating yet he's still got a few months ahead of him when all this is done social distancing will still be kind of an effect he's not going to be able to come back to work straight away rumor has it he's not going to be back until the rumble next year so unless Bray Wyatt wins the belt and he holds it that whole time maybe they, they keep him with the belt until Mania next year that's a bit different and then Roman can take the belt I actually I'm a firm believer 
that Roman Reigns should be the Universal Champion within the next 12 months. Uh, he's not touched the belt since he relinquished it when he left uh, to go fight leukemia. He's not even challenged for it. And this is the problem. This happens a lot. Roman Reigns always like, it always has to be Roman that wins. It always has to be Roman that wins. Before Roman Reigns won the Universal title, he had not been the champion for two and a half years. Yeah, he'd held the, uh, the US title and the IC title in between that, but he had not been the world champion in two and a half years. And even when he won the belt the first time, he didn't hold it very long. He didn't, I mean, the first time he won it, he held it for minutes. The second time he won it, he lost it at the Rumble. And then when he finally won it back at Mania 32, he lost it a couple of months later to Seth Rollins, who then straight away lost it to Dean Ambrose. It's not like uh, he holds the belt for a long time. He's been the champion four times and very hasn't held any of them for a particularly good length of time to even establish himself as a good champion yet. So I'm all for Roman Reigns being the world champion. Uh, Revival have released their new merch, which is a bit of a dig at WWE to say, finally free. They've obviously been wanting to release for a wee while. Um, the rumours surrounding Sarah Logan's kind of the same as Drake Maverick, supposedly, even though they've been released, they've been asked to work. Um, Sarah Logan's are going to be a bit of a different story. We've not heard much about this because she's supposedly kayfabe got a broken arm, which Drake Maverick's still competing. Drake Maverick kind of says he's not had his chance at WWE to actually run off and do anything. He was a general manager, then he did his 24-7 title chase run. I kind of agree. He's saying whatever they give me is breadcrumbs and I turn it into steak, so why don't they give me a steak and um, I'll show them what I can do. Which I'm all for, I say give, give him a chance. I really, really, really am all for Drake Maverick winning the, the Cruiserweight Championship until Jordan Devlin can come back and then they two can slug it out for it. Um, supposedly this this came out recently actually because um, I don't know if it really relates to anything. Vince McMahon, um, who's going to take over from Vince McMahon when he is either removed or dies or retires? I think it's going to be the middle option. I don't see Vince retiring until he's dead, to be perfectly honest. Um, and even if he did retire, I think he'd still have his nose in there. And it's not Shane, it's not Triple H, it's Stephanie who's meant to be the new CEO, the new chairman of the board, if you like. Which I don't think anyone's particularly surprised about. This one's more of a, a funky rumour. Uh, Bianca Belair said that she really wants WWE to sign Floyd Mayweather and Serena Williams. Two people who are, I don't want to say old, but they're, I mean, Serena Williams is, is at a fair age now. She's her retirement from tennis, I'm sure, won't be too far away. I'm sure she'll want to break the record for most Grand Slam wins and then she'll retire. And Floyd Mayweather is not worth the money. WrestleMania 38, as I've, I've been kind of predicting this a wee while now, ever since it got cancelled. WrestleMania 38 is supposedly going to go back to Tampa Bay and fill uh, St. Raymond James Stadium. Um, and that, that was part of the deal, supposedly. Apparently this is a deal now where if, if they named WWE's essential business, they would bring WrestleMania back to Tampa Bay come 2022. Um, Jax, Nia Jax. Now, I kind of spoke about this last week. With uh, I think Nia Jax was very reckless with her match with Kyrie Sane, um, potentially rumours surrounding that Kyrie Sane might be injured. Um, Kyrie supposedly said in Japanese, uh, let me go and like let her go, that she wasn't ready or whatever. So a lot of people say that it's uh, very reckless, especially after just defending Alexa Bliss based on the rumours that she was uh, hurting Ronda. Now, Nia Jax is one of the, for me, one of the most rec reckless wrestlers of the modern era. I don't think I've ever seen anyone injure so many people. Seth Rollins has a knack for injuring a couple of people, but nowhere near as much as, as, Raw, um, as Nia Jax. I mean, Rollins ended Sting's career and then broke the nose of John Cena in very close quarters. But Nia Jax has injured Bailey. She almost killed Charlotte Flair in the ring by dropping her on her head. She... Uh, obviously doing what she did to Sane, she's just very, she's always kind of referred to Nia Jax as kind of the female version of Braun Strowman, but Braun Strowman's quite safe in the ring when you watch him, he's very, very good at what he does, whereas Nia, I don't mean the, the way it sounds as if she's like the male version of Braun Strowman, what I mean is it's really nice to see a woman of Nia Jax's size to be able to get the opportunity she's getting to show people out there, listen, if I can do it, you can do it, and that's great, but what she's then shown them is, I'm actually this size and I can just throw the little people around and hurt them as much as I want. 
and not really anyone can do anything to stop me. I just I don't I don't know if it, I just don't know if I have time for that to be honest because it doesn't resonate with me. Nothing makes me watch her throw Kyrie Sane about and go, oh that looks great. All I could th- kept thinking was I hope Kyrie Sane isn't injured again. It, and the last rumor is Jerry Lawler has responded to the racist allegations from him from last week. So for anyone who doesn't know, when Akira Tozawa was having his match, he did a, a somersault sent on and Jerry Lawler decided to uh, commentate that it was the ramen noodle moonsault. Now, a lot of people have obviously kind of said to him, number one, it, it was a senton, not a moonsault. And number two, it's 2020, what are you doing? And his excuse is that when he used to do commentary with Maro Ronaldo from NXT, he liked to kind of correct Jerry Lawler on what the names of moves are because Ronaldo knows the Japanese names having served a lot of time in Japan and it used to kind of annoy Jerry Lawler so this was his way to kind of annoy Ronaldo eh, back supposedly and that if he had been on eh, commentary with Cole or JR that they would have been able to respond in a way because he was deliberately trying to make himself look foolish. All I can see him right now is clutching at straws for pretty rubbish eh, reasons. It's not an appropriate thing to say it's it, it wasn't funny and um please retire king up straight into smackdown then so smackdown tonight's the night it's triple h's 25th anniversary celebration we'll get to that later on but the start of the night is uh, the eight time champs the new day start the show uh, kind of recap last week's main event a lot of respect given to Big E because he's the one that won the belts and it's quite a historical significance and it is that now New Day don't normally come out and boast, but if it were me, I'd be boasting. They are only one, as a team, one title away from winning nine. And for anyone who doesn't know, that's that's the record. It's kind of like The Miz is almost on par with Jericho with IC title reigns. The Dudley Boys are nine-time WWE Tag Team Champions. Only The New Day are close enough to kind of get to that. And I do believe The New Day will break it. I mean, it's eight, eight title reigns in five years, so... They are definitely still behind them. I don't think the New Day ever actually particularly gets stale. I think it's just one of those factions that doesn't really need to get broken up. I think the three of them separate didn't work. And the three of them together is great. It's not like the Shield where like all three of them can separate and be big, 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 big stars. And it's not to say that none of the New Day could do it. But if Kofi hadn't joined the New Day, he would never have been WWE Champion. And Big E and Xavier would have most certainly eh, wound up somewhere, maybe even released. Kofi was a tenured guy, don't see him getting a release, he's always there, he never complains, but the other two, they may very well have got released. Um, uh, so, the Lucha House Party are the first kind of people to come out and to say congratulations, but we always get overlooked, we want a title match. Interrupted straight away by The Miz and Morrison, who saying that they're acting as if they're the legit champions, but they didn't beat them two on two, and what their rematch right there, right now. Uh, Forgotten Sons arrive, who the Miz tries to kind of play off as who the hell are you. I kind of get like a Sons of Anarchy feel from the Forgotten Sons. Uh, Cutler does an amazing promo, uh, really, until talking about how like, the room Marines and all that, and the things they've seen, it's really quite good stuff. Uh, the Miz says he wants respect, um, and Blake then takes over and says that... Um, that they'll when they strike they'll never even see it coming and then predictably I don't know if anyone else seen it coming but for, for someone who said they'll never see it coming I pretty much seen it coming that he was going to attack him. Big fight happens and the Miz and Morrison flee the New Day are attacked by the Forgotten Sons uh, they hit that reverse DDT stomp finisher and uh, E gets uh, to E and then uh, Kofi gets power bombed on top of E. Uh, first thing next up, we look at Triple H's debut from 1997. The Miz and Morrison get an interview and they want the Lucha House Party one-on-one tonight. It's kind of a comedy thing, they're kind of going, who the hell do those guys think they are coming out and doing that? And they, they, the interviewer kind of goes, oh, are you talking about Forgotten Sons? No, we're talking about Lucha House Party, that was all their fault. So it's kind of like a wee comedy moment in there. Up next was the Money in the Bank qualifier match between Drew Gulak and King Corbin. Now, I did get asked quite a few times uh, through the week who I thought was going to win this match. Um, I actually think out of all the qualifiers and fires, this has been the hardest one so far. Because 
I would like to see Drew Gulak do well, but I don't think you can ever count King Corbin out, especially in this scenario, where I was looking at the field for who's in the male Money in the Bank ladder match, and it's all fairly agile guys, and I did say it last week, how, who the big guys they think we're going to be adding in. The match itself is, I feel like this was Baron Corbin's match to lose. Um, Gulak, like the Gulak win would be an upset for him. Uh, they kind of recap the attack on Elias. Corbin takes it physical to Gulak very early. Gulak takes control, he does a nice drop kick over the announce table. They go to a break and when we come back, Corbin's back in control. I think Baron Corbin is actually really impressive. I think this is one of the more, maybe more recent matches of Baron Corbin that I've quite enjoyed. I, I don't dislike Baron Corbin's style. I think, obviously, you're not meant to like him. I just think he's a bit of a bastard sometimes. But I think that watching this match was like a nice breath of fresh air for Baron Corbin. It's nice to see him just have a nice match. It was, it was, he was really, really good in it. Gulak does a, a nice comeback. It's really some near falls for Gulak. There was a couple of moments when I thought Gulak was going to win. He even hits a nice dragon screw onto Corbin onto the stairs. Um, now, this is where I get a bit confused because Nakamura and Cesaro come out and attack Daniel Bryan, which distracts Gulak, which then leads to the end of days, and Corbin wins. So Corbin's going to money in the bank, and that's great. That's fine. I don't actually understand the, the Nakamura-Cesaro attack. I know Cesaro lost to Daniel Bryan, but then the attack there, what the... Unless it sets something up that, that maybe they're going to cost Daniel Bryan at Money in the Bank. I don't see the, the, the point in it. And then Gulak takes a scepter to the face from Baron Corbin. Um, just because I, it's something that we have introduced. Um, I gave this match a 3 out of 5. I didn't think it was... I thought it was really good. I don't think it was below average. I think it was a good match. Both of them had a really good showing. Finish was a bit weird. I would have liked to have just seen a nice clean finish, but that that's really that. They talk about Gronk being the the twenty four seven champion. Now he's gone back to American football. He's gonna have security watching him. Um, I say keep the belt and retire it, but that's just me. Kind of show you some money in the bank best bets from twenty fourteen. Um, if anyone's not seen the twenty fourteen money in the bank ladder match, the men's well, there only was the men's one at the time. Go back and watch it. It was a good match. Rollins does take a a couple of nasty bumps in there. Up next is Sheamus versus Daniel Vito. It's just another squash to make Sheamus look strong. I still believe that this is going to be setting up a, a, a Jeff Hardy feud when he returns in the next couple of weeks. I, I gave this match a, a 1 out of 5. It's, it's, it's getting a bit boring now. Sheamus just coming out and beating the hell out of everyone and then going from there like Give him, give him at least, give him some real opponents and let them let him have a good couple of matches. Not as if Sheamus can't have a good match, but Cole then starts talking about Hardy and what we don't see, they cut away from this, but then they show it. Um, they showed it. Uh, I think it was on Instagram. As uh, Sheamus goes up to Michael Cole, grabs his headset and just yanks it off and throws it away, and kind of does that threatening look of him. So, and it's because he was talking about Jeff Hardy again. So I'm not going to be too surprised if when Jeff Hardy returns, Sheamus is right there to foil the the, the return. Um, up next was the chapter 3, so we went into chapter 3, Redemption for Jeff Hardy. Really again, just talking about the same stuff, he's selfish and addict. And then we talk about his 2017 WrestleMania return at uh, WrestleMania, as I've just said. So if anyone's not seen that return, um, if anyone's a fan of huge crowd pops, there's some uh, pop, pop mania, I was going to call it pop mania, was running wild. Talking about how he was nervous. Um, Got to see a few legends reactions, which we never actually got to see. Some of them actually talking about generally how surprised they were to see uh, the Hardy Boys back. And then next week's going to be the final episode, which is going to be called the Comeback. So this is obviously relating to him going to rehab and now uh, where he is today. So whether or not he'll be on SmackDown next week or not is a different question. But if it's not next week, I imagine. I mean, if it's not next week or this week coming. Is it going to be before Money in the Bank? Is it going to be after him and Sheamus maybe going to have a match at Money in the Bank? Who knows? Up next was Miz and Morrison versus Lucha House Party. I was quite interested in this match eh, to see if maybe Lucha House Party were going to get put over. It wasn't a particularly long match. Miz tried this. <laughs> Apparently him and John Morrison bet that he couldn't do a kip-up. 
and he says he won. I don't think he won at all. It was not an impressive kip up. He, he, I don't think he did it personally, but uh, the match itself, it was okay. Lucha House Party did get an upset win uh, from a, a roll-up after um, he went into a skull-crushing finale and he rolled him up, surprisingly. They got the three. Uh, it's nice to see Lucha House Party maybe getting a, a wee push here. Um, I'm giving this one a, a two out of five because it, it wasn't a very good match, but uh, I had a good moment for a team that have been kind of struggling, so it'll be nice to see where they go from there. Up next is uh, main event time, I believe this was the main event. Nope, we had another match after this, sorry. Uh, this was the best match on the card, without doubt. Match of the night, easily. Sasha Banks and Lacey Evans, what a fight they had. So Banks enters and she's holding a cardboard cutout picture of Lacey Evans' daughter. Um, I'm very, very big on Lacey Evans. I think this time last year I was probably one of the biggest doubters who said that she was not very good. And I don't think she works as a heel. I, th I think the character she's got is a really good face character. So I think the face turn is probably the thing that's really brought around for me. Um, it's just, uh, I think the, the SmackDown qualifiers are weird choices because the three people that I would have had in the match from SmackDown are B uh, Naomi, Sasha and Lacey. But that's not the way it's worked out. It's worked out because Naomi is out and Sasha and Lacey haven't one match to determine it. And Dana Brooks qualified. And now next week it's Mandy versus Carmella. But I'll come to that a wee bit later on. Bailey tries to kind of get an early distraction on there. Evans is brutal to start. She really goes for Bailey. Um, she goes for the woman's right, misses and punches the post, so we're obviously doing one of our arm storyline in this match. Um, hand gives way when she's trying to do that, handstand drop kick, really just selling the move. And Banks goes back to the hand to kind of take control. Um, Evans does this, uh, does it this time, so she has another go at it and does it. Um, and then there's this uh, moment where she grabs like Sasha's face and just is smashing it off the ring post so much uh, just over and over again and it was it was a pretty hard thing to watch um, but when she climbs up to the top rope Sasha starts crushing the hand uh, power bomb into the the bank statement so she's going for the bank statement manages to reverse it hits the the woman's right and goes for the pin gets to the two count and Bailey puts Sasha's foot on the ropes to break it up Evans at that point attacks Bailey. Sasha goes for the roll up. It was at least a five count, but because Bailey had been dragged into the ring, the ref was trying to get her out. And uh, the ref was so busy with Bailey that a one count she did then kick out. Sasha's very mad with Bailey, tells her to stay out of it. Bailey's trying to apologise. I need a second woman's right, and Lacey Evans qualifies for Money in the Bank now. This time last week, not only did I say that uh, Lacey Evans should not qualify in this match and that Banks should win. Money in the Bank, but I actually I've give this match a four and a half out of five because I think as far as it just kind of ticked all the right boxes as far as it finish it really finishes off the Evans Banks feud. I don't think that needs to go any further. It really puts Lacey in such a good light, and it really really progresses what is the slow burn towards Sasha and Bailey um, facing each other. I think it just for everything that had to happen, it was very very enjoyable, and Tamina then comes out at the top of the ramp and super kicks Bailey and Sasha does not give any help to her, she just stands there and watches. Up next was a history of the Wyatt and Strowman feud, so talking about how he took uh, Braun Strowman from one of Adam Rhodes' Rhodes buds, which they don't mention but it's important to know that uh, Braun Strowman was a Rosebud, into the Black Sheep, into the Monster and now as a champion. It doesn't really talk much more about that, it just kind of shows the transition of where they both went. Uh, predictably, we've got another recap of Otis and Mandy, uh, which leads to the Money in the Bank qualifiers for next week. Which, uh, next week, which I have to say, are both matches I'm very disappointed about. Um, so next week is Otis and Dolph. So one of the two is going to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match. If I had to put my money on anyone, I'd be putting on Dolph. I feel like Ziggler is going to win this match, and then I feel Carmella is going to win this match because Sonya's probably going to cost it, but 
I don't mind Carmella being in the Money in the Bank ladder match. That's absolutely fine. I think the, the men's qualifying match is just sucks. Because I surely thought this would be leading to some sort of tag match. And maybe, you know, you just never know. Maybe, maybe it'll end in an old contest that none of them will qualify. I could be wrong, but if one of them's going to win, it's going to be Dolph this time. Dana kind of returns the, the smart arse kind of comments to Carmella going, Oh, you should be focusing on the tag title match and not on Money in the Bank. But then Carmella says, You're right, you inspired me, so I'm going for it. Uh, we look at another big moment from Triple H's career, and it's it's probably one of the biggest pops of all time when he returned from his first torn quad back in the start of 2002. And the show is that. Main event time is Alexa Bliss and Nick, uh, Nikki Cross defending against Carmella and Brooke. This was a very short match. It was not a very good match. Dana starts kind of trying to build momentum. Mella takes Bliss out. Uh, Brooke um, gets put off the barricade. We come go hit a break when we come back. Uh, we see both hot tags. Super kick to Cross um, and Cross saves. Sorry. And then Brooke takes out Cross, but Bliss takes out Brooke. Uh, Cross makes a, a surprise tag, and they do like a, a flapjack DDT, so it's like a version of the 3D, and they retain the belts. It's a one and a half out of five. The chemistry wasn't there. I don't think Carmella and Dana Brooke are a particularly good team together. I don't think the chemistry was there for the four guy people involved. It wasn't a very good match, and we'll be moving on from there. Uh, next week we've got Daniel Bryan going one on one with Baron Corbin, so that will probably just two guys that are in the Money Bank my ladder match going one on one, and then we move on to probably the highlight of the whole night. Uh, I don't rate segments, but this was a five out of five definitely with uh, Triple H's twenty fifth celebration. It, first thing I have to say, it does really really suck that he couldn't have like fans there and and legends coming out to celebrate it and. I did really feel bad for him, but we did get one surprise, and that was HBK came out talking about. Um, so they make a, a nice joke. He goes for the the hug, and uh, he kind of pushes him away and goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa social distancing rule." Uh, he said he sent out hundreds of invites, but um, and they're all there for him to all his closest friends and family. But we're all here for you. Uh, HBK jokes about kind of getting kind of jokes about like not getting one so he didn't get a, a 25th anniversary um, and he kind of tries to, to play it off like oh yeah it was great I mean, my favourite memory was this that and the next thing and we're talking about uh, DX's greatest moments but they're actually just showing bloopers of them all getting it right kind of talks about I mean Triple H the 14 time world champion they show all his mania moments but actually just counting up his mania losses uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Triple H and Shawn Michaels are the two people in history who've got the most WrestleMania losses. And he, he particularly, Shawn particularly appreciates that he managed to get to share the ring with, both teaming and against. Takes the kind of, uh, and then he said that when, when he married Mrs. No Fun. At that point, Stephanie does a FaceTime. And kind of says, I can see him, I can hear him at that point. Flair then does a FaceTime. And start crying when we go to break. We come back. He's on on the phone to Road Dog, and then Vince comes out. So Vince gets to to uh, interrupt. Uh, very nice moments from Vince. It was actually quite touching. He called him uh, uh, Paul. He told him that he loved him. Uh, he said that this segment was very boring, and that. Um, I can't believe they brought this up. I don't know if anyone knows. People will know about this, but it's not mentioned for a reason. So Triple H had a segment on Raw many, many, many years ago, back in, I think it was 2003, when he was feuding with Kane. And Kane supposedly had a girlfriend called Katie Vick. Now, Katie Vick storyline died, and Triple H said that Kane murdered her, and then had uh, sex with her dead corpse, and actually made a segment about it. Him with Kane's mask on, getting on top of a mannequin, pretending it was Katie Vick, and pretending to have sex with it. It's one of the worst segments in history. It's probably one of the most inappropriate things ever on TV. And Vince just openly makes jokes about it many, many times. He kind of says that it's just as boring like that was boring, and that it's this this segment's just as boring as Bailey, this is your life. Doesn't blame Bailey for it. And then tells him he loves him. And 
Triple H says it back, which is quite nice, and then says that his time's up, and it's going to put the lights off, and then the lights go off as a cricket noise, and Smackdown finishes. Um, Smackdown is a show I'm going to give a, a seven and a half out of ten. I think it was, I think the the Banks and Evans match really, really saved it um, from disaster because there's not really a lot else on the card that was outstanding other than that and then the Triple H segment at the end was um, enjoyable. I quite like the start with the New Day and the Forgotten Sons getting over him. I appreciate that and the Lucha House Party win but um, I think Smackdown as a whole was way better than Raw but still was a 7.5 out of 10. It needs a bit more action and less jobbing to be honest. Now moving on to what I like to call Monday Night Boz because that's what it was. Boz. Uh, we start off the show. No recap this week so far. We'll get more of that later on, but nothing to recap at the start. One Samoa Joe has returned, so he is now back on commentary. Now people might remember in a way in order for them to use Joe uh, when he was last out injured. Um, he was on commentary, so he has returned to commentary this week, replacing Jerry the King Lawler, thank the Lord. Um, and we start the show with MVP's VIP lounge with the male Money in the Bank Raw Stars. So MVP comes straight to Apollo Crews and asks um, if he has what it takes before he even has the chance to answer. Selena Vega interrupts with her faction. Uh, they say that they are the future stars and that they want they should be really giving them their place. At that point, Ray kind of takes the microphone and says, um, so you want us to just give you our spots like that? Now, that doesn't really seem like all you want. It seems like you're out here for a fight as well. So that brawl takes place underway, which obviously naturally leads to a start of Raw, starting with a six-man tag team match. Both teams go really back and forth. Cruz, again, is very impressive. So is Austin Theory in this match as well. And it ends with the match. Uh, Apollo Crews pins Andrade with that toss power bomb in the finish there. Um, I think the match itself with the stars who were relevant in the match. Black didn't really get too much. He started the match, but I don't feel he got enough. And I don't think Rain needs to. But I think that this is really all just relating back to Cruz's push. And Cruz gets the win over the US champion. Um, I'm gonna give it a, I give it a two and a half out of five just for... In fact, it was it was it was average match. It was good. So throughout the night, we go through the top ten Triple H moments. So number ten is when he takes over DX after Shawn Michaels retires for the first time. And number nine is his match with Sting at WrestleMania 31, with the DX invasion with the NWO invasion. Good match. Wrong person won. Uh, we then get an interview with Andrade, and Andrade says he'll take uh, Cruz one-on-one, -on -one, uno to uno, I believe he said something like that, uh, whenever he wants. And Cruz then goes up to Charlie, who's just been interviewing, and gives him, says how excited she is, and how he just heard that. And at that point, um, Andrade comes up, and he gives him, Cruz gives him one of the hardest slaps to the face ever. And Vega then says, do you know what, fine, one-on-one -on -one tonight, US Championship match. So both men will be competing again later on. I said no recap at the start, because we get recaps throughout the rest. A recap of McIntyre and Rollins' feud. We're set to go, not going to bore you much with it. Uh, moves on to Triple H's number 8 position, which is the first ever main event on the first ever episode of Smackdown. Uh, number 7 was backstage shenanigans he had with Trish when he put her in that position as if he was maybe doing it from behind and Stephanie walked in. <coughs> Excuse me. Up next, I, got really, I was quite excited for this match because I thought, you know, this could be really, really good. Asuka versus Baszler versus Jax. Triple threat action. I was really, really looking forward to it. Um, so we recap the, the Cyrus, uh, Kyrie Sane and Nia Jax match. Asuka cuts a promo since two years since she last faced Nia Jax and when she did, she made Nia tap out. Uh, Baszler, Nia Jax obviously interrupts, comes out, doesn't say anything just to get into the match. Baszler comes out and just attacks Asuka before the match starts, tosses her into the ladders. Jax then tosses Baszler into the barricade and Asuka and Baszler, after I mean, Asuka and Baszler take out Nia Jax and then Baszler take the ladder, puts it into a position in the steps and Asuka throws Baszler into the ladder. 
and then Nia Jax flattens Asuka and uses the ladder on both of them inside the ring. Now at that point, the match hasn't started, so the rules kind of stuff like that is as soon as all three participants are in the ring, the match starts. And all that happens is after she hits him with the ladder, they both roll out and she just throws up the ladder and then drops it. And her music hits, so the match never started and it never went ahead. I think this is one of the reasons why Raw is so buzz because it doesn't like that would that would have been such a, a good match. Genuinely, any of the three of them could win. Asuka again on the mic was very very funny, very impressive. Um, I think if I I did say Sasha Banks, I think one now that I kind of know the field. Um, the only person really left to determine if it's going to be Mandy or Carmella, and let's be honest, I think it's I think I feel like it's Asuka's to win. I think that's who I'd be putting my money on. We cut backstage, Lashley's about to get ready for action and he asks Lana to stay backstage, not come to the thing because she's too distracting. Now he then tries to soften that blow by saying that it's because she's so hot and her eyes are so lovely and all that and she's been dumb as she is, kind of goes ooh, ooh la la and decides to stay back. He's obviously lying and then he has a match with Denzel uh, Dejournet again who's made quite a few appearances to put everyone over. I have to point this out, there was a new ref. I've never seen this ref. Um, a second female referee, which is really cool, but I've never seen her before. I don't know if she's been about for a while, but it's the first time I've spotted her. And uh, I mean, Denzel's a wee bit foolish. He's quite dominant to start. Lashley is dominant, and then Denzel decides he gets one lucky move, so he slaps Lashley, and Lashley then just from there on crushes him. Um, I gave this one a two out of five. I'm actually quite happy. My my thing is I quite like Bobby Lashley uh, when he's got a good like story to work with. Um, I would, I would, I really, ideally, when he returned back in 2018, would have liked to have seen him face Brock Lesnar. I would quite ideally, at least some point, like to see Bobby Lashley be a world champion in WWE. Uh, up next, we get a, a recap of uh, Riot and Morgan um, from their match from last week. Ruby Riot versus Liv Morgan, um, which I did not at the time think it was leading to a rematch, which it did, and I just think not again. Leave it um, unless Riot's going to win. In dominant fashion, just leave it, leave it as it is. It's a short match. Morgan gets an easy win again, and does a post-match interview. Says she's still trying to figure out who she is now. Whether or not that's kind of setting the the tone for maybe uh the the rumours being that she's going to be sister Abigail. Maybe that's what it's leading to. But that match got a, a one and a half out of five because I, I wasn't interested in it at all. And I don't. I mean, Ruby Riot looked good in it. I think that was the only thing I could say. Triple H's number six spot was when he won King of the Ring um, and really became the King of Kings. That was when that probably really started. Uh, we then get an interview with Nia and she said, Who can stop her? No one. Another promo, Viking Rays. There's so many promos and so many like space fillers in this. Like, it's nothing against Triple H, but his top 10 moments were just there to fill space. Um, up next, we have the Viking Raiders who say that um, the Street Profits have never beat them and the only reason they're on top is because they've not been about. Um, I'm actually going to be quite happy to say this. I've kind of missed it. Uh, Jinder Mahal is back now. It's not a. It's a little known fact that when Jinder Mahal won the the world title, I, I wasn't too upset about it. And the reason I wasn't too upset about it was because the build up to it, his promos were amazing. His in ring work was really really improved, and I was I was okay with it. And then after he won the belt, his promos weren't as dead aggressive and loud and he just became very lazy, I felt. Or the character shifted for some reason. But see when he was shouting on the mic and really being that bad character, he's really, really good. So I'm quite happy that Jinder's back and he seems to be in maybe that character rather than this shanty rather than doing all that. So he shaved off all his head, which I quite liked with long hair, but that's just a personal thing. And... Uh, before he gets into action, Triple H number five is when NXT took over uh, SmackDown back in 2019, and then the whole build up to Survivor Series from last year. Mahal versus Katira, um, Akira Tozawa. Now I feel quite bad for Akira Tozawa in this one because the last four times we've seen him, he's had some really stellar matches, some really like show stealing matches, and then he's getting thrown into Jinder Mahal's return match. Who Jinder Mahal? squashes him. I don't think Akira Tozawa had a single bit of offence. Um, he's in really good shape. Very dominant, very physical. The only thing I'll say is he's still got that goddamn awful Coloss finisher. I hate it. I kind of thought when he returned he'd maybe have something new. Something maybe a bit different but we're sticking with the Coloss. We're, we're, we're sticking with the Coloss. Um, but I give that a 2 out of 5 just because I, I want to see if he's maybe going to pursue like the US Championship and get a good run out of it this time. 
up next we have an interview um, with Andrade and we don't really hear much but then more focused on the fact that Angel Garza really really wants to chat up Charlie a lot and he gives her a rose she's pure buzzing about it another space filler Triple H is number four on the list and probably one of the funniest moments of all time if no one's seen this I recommend you go and watch it even if you have little knowledge of wrestling or loads of knowledge this is one of the funniest segments on Raw when DX impersonated the McMahons uh, I'm not going to ruin it for you but it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen up next was the Apollo Crews versus Andrade for the US Championship match now this is match of the night um, does have a dodgy finish but we'll get to that a little bit um, it was a really good match Cruz I just think the chemistry between the two I think Cruz versus Andrade really equals quite a lot of money um, especially when the title was on the line the, the connection the chemistry Andrade is really good with most people he works with and Cruz is really just trying to get that break um, after about four or five years I think, I think it's four years he's been on the roster um, I feel like this is this is the moment this is maybe Cruz's moment now to start leaning towards something good like that but um, very earlier on so they're taking each, each other um, Andrade's to the outside Cruz goes for a moonsault off the apron lands on his feet tweaks the left knee um, seemed a bit like a work but I, I'm hoping it doesn't lead to anything bad it's not that kind of work um, Andrade really focuses the attacks on the knees Cruz comes close so many times to win the US champion there was a few times where I really thought he was going to do it um, really the, the, the push for Apollo Crews is really like a, a nice breath of fresh air to be honest it's really really enjoyable he's, he's, you can see he's really happy about it in his work he's not just doing the same thing and he's really putting himself out there um, Andrade continues to work on the knee there's a lot of mo like a lot of near falls between the two it was really really good storytelling as well and then ultimately Apollo Crews goes to jump off the top rope lands and his knee totally busted the ref calls the match, says you can't finish. I put work question mark because I don't know if it is a work or if it's a real injury. I would like to think it's a work, but then I don't want it to be a work in the way that he gets pulled from the Money in the Bank ladder match. I'll be quite gutted if he does. And I'm hoping it's just like a, a small injury work and not like a let's pretend to push Paul, Apollo Crews just to put someone in at the last minute. I'd be quite annoyed about that. Uh, Triple H's number three moment is when he forms Evolution back in 02, I believe it was end of 02. Uh, the Street Profits then have their backstage promo, respond to the Viking Raiders saying, um, listen, fine then, you want it, you got it next week, uh, what the uh, tag team match is on. I thought it was a title match, it turns out it's not for the titles at all, and for some weird reason, we have to take a look at the life and career of Becky Lynch. Now, we kind of know who Becky Lynch is because she's been the champion for over a year. So I don't see why we have to take a look at her. It's not as if she's a new talent or a returning talent. She's been about. It actually kind of annoys me that Becky Lynch doesn't have a, a title defence at Money in the Bank. It seems a bit pointless. I kind of thought she would have defended against someone. There's still time, but it doesn't seem like she is defending the belt. Uh, up next was Alexander, uh, Cedric Alexander and Ricochet versus a team called Ever Rise. It was a squash, it was a very easy win. Um, one out of five, wasn't anything really worth special noting. MVP at the end of it uh, brings back uh, Shane Thorne and his teammate whose name I can never get right. I believe it's something Meek or Neek or Veek, something like that. And for some reason they're having a, a rematch next week. I don't know if MVP's managing them now, are they a new team that's going to be on Raw a lot, nobody really knows. Triple H's number two moment is when he invades with DX WCW, which I don't think it's a big shock that that's up there. Uh, up next we've got Cruz coming out of the trainer's room on crutches, he's very emotional, he doesn't say anything to Charlie when she tries to get a word with him, he just kind of bubbles a wee bit and then crutches off, so we just need to wait till next week to see what happens. And we are then have another recap of Rollins and McIntyre. I didn't note down how many McIntyre Rollins re kind of recaps we had. I wish I had because I could have tallied it and maybe a full hand. It was easily a good th four to five, easily. 
uh, and then before that, before they sign their official contract for Money in the Bank, we get Triple H's number one moment, which again I said if no one's went back and watched, if you like a pop, uh, one of the moments with Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy returning, but if you want another pop, maybe bigger, uh, Triple H's return in 2002 after his first quad tear at Madison Square Garden, the music hit and it was a pop. I don't know if I would say that returns the best moment in Triple H's career. I mean, you're a 14-time world champion and they're basically saying, yeah, your, your best moment was when you tore your leg in half and then came back. I think it was a, a, maybe the, one of the better moments of his career, but I think I feel like maybe his first world title win should have surely been in there somewhere. But that's just me. Uh, up next, usual contract signing stuff. Got Rollins and McIntyre. Um, and we're taking it with uh, oh Jerry, Jerry the racist Lawler is in the ring to do it. Um, he comes out and puts down, puts over this new Money in the Bank match. Again, it's like they're explaining the rules every half an hour about the rules of this Money in the Bank. They do it anyway with most matches. WWE have a real shtick for this. like. Royal Rumbles, Battle Royals, Elimination Chambers, Money in the Bank, Last Man Standing matches, I Quit matches, they do it all the time, they have to go through the rules every single time, every like 10 minutes, and it's really really negative for them. Drew comes straight out after Seth and just signs it straight away and says you know what you jumped me and you sign it, Seth's quite hesitant and says he doesn't want to do this, he has to do it. Uh, and that it's bigger than the two of them, Drew isn't a leader and the title is his burden to carry, he doesn't want the pain and suffering that he went through. I assume this relates to his knee surgery happening to Drew McIntyre. Uh, Drew says thanks for that heartwarming thing and that everyone at home I'm sure will agree that Seth is full of shit. Now that is a direct quote, that he is full of shit. Quite a lot of the, the shit bombs have been getting dropped on, on Raw recently, uh, Kevin Owens called Seth Rollins a dipshit not that long ago so I'm sure he's uh, used to it. He then said that he's uh, deluded and warped and where are all his followers, it's never Seth's fault when things go wrong, when the people turn on him and no one wants to hear him talk anymore um, and that he told him you jumped me a couple of weeks ago this time, finish the job, go for the throat because I will be Seth then stands up and starts doing some sort of religious preach but Drew just smashes his face off the table, goes for the Claymore after hitting a Glasgow kiss and Buddy Murphy who I claimed last week was still wearing his disciple gear and it would be linked came out to save Rollins, they kind of meet in the middle, Rollins gives him a big hug and Rollins moves ultimately and Buddy Murphy gets a Claymore to the face for his trouble. Now I gave Smackdown a, a 7 uh, and a half out of ten. Raw is lucky to get a five out of ten. It was rubbish. Just it was utter, utter rubbish. It wasn't worth watching at all. Um, and then I feel bad because I know I need to come on here and try and talk about it for a good period of time. But it, it's some. I mean, they had some good options on there. Like I don't appreciate. I like the Andrade and the Andrade. Storyline is probably the most captivating thing that's going on in Raw right now, just anything Andrade touches at the minute and whether or not Cruz is getting his push. And really, I really think if they'd had that triple threat match and if the, the Cruz match had maybe won with Cruz winning the belt or actually just finished normally, I think I would have been more happy for it. I assume that the reason to have him not be able to continue due to his leg is some sort of um, way to keep them both looking good. But who knows with WWE. Now, that is this week's podcast finished. So we did SmackDown and Raw this week. I wouldn't normally do that. I, I kind of felt like after I did the AEW and NXT uh, war ratings, I feel like I'm going to pit Raw versus SmackDown. So uh, this week, SmackDown easily won. Whereas the past couple of weeks I would have said Raw won. But this week, from Friday, from last Friday to today, Raw definitely lost. Um, and... Coming up on Thursday, I will be doing the second week of the NXT Wars of AEW versus NXT. Who's got the better show? Who's got what? I think this week's going to be a good match. Got Keith Lee defending the NXT North American Championship against uh, Damian Priest. That'll be a good match. But then on the other side of the coin, we've got a rematch from 
uh, either Fighter Fest or Fight for the Fallen with Cody Rhodes now to fight, uh, goes one on one with Darby Allen in the TNT Championship semi-final so we'll just need to see how that goes and I'll be posting on Thursday to let you know my thoughts and feelings thanks very much for listening don't forget to like, follow and subscribe on Facebook, Instagram at Between the Turnbuckles and any emails with any thoughts and feelings pass that over to Between the Turnbuckles at hotmail.com thanks very much <laughs>